reference an announcement that I made on Sunday. If you missed an important announcement this past Sunday, let me mention it again. Sister Rachel Robinson is our new Refuge Church social media and marketing coordinator for our church, for Refuge Church. Uh, And this past Sunday, I announced her. She got up, shared a little bit about that. And uh, some of you might not know this, but uh, her husband, Michael, who probably is downstairs or somewhere, um, he has also been working on getting our Google advertising to be free as a nonprofit rather than paying hundreds of dollars every month like we do. Now, again, some of you might say, hold it. We pay hundreds of dollars for Google advertising? That seems ridiculous. Um, And you're entitled to your opinion, for sure. Uh, However, we live in a different time than we did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you would pay $100,000 for print mailers and postage and mail things to people's houses. Um, And we can still do that at times, but uh, I don't know about you, but if I'm getting a mailer, I'm not usually going, wow, this is incredible information. We have to pin this to the refrigerator. Usually it's like whatever, but if you're on social media, you watch motion, there's a video, there's things, or if you're intentionally looking for something, because guess what? If you type in Pentecostal Church, if you type in Church Liberty, Missouri, if you type in these types of things, you're going to find at the top of that list a place called Refuge Church. And so very often, some of you actually here or watching online, you're here literally because I've talked to some of you, and I said, how'd you find us? And they will say... I just did a search. I, I searched online. You popped up, and I checked out. And, and, and what's happening is people are usually telling me, I checked out your service before I came. And so we live in a different time. Statistics show that almost all people will attend a service virtually before they ever step foot in person in a service. Now, if you're here going, that wasn't me, bless God, that's fine. You're in the minority now. In this day and age, most people, for instance, I think I've said this to you. If I go out of town and I'm out somewhere, I am not. I mean, unless it is literally the only place open because they're open till midnight and they have half-price appetizers, that's the only reason I'm going to Applebee's. Okay? Applebee's, if anybody from Applebee's is watching, I'm sorry. You guys have pretty good boneless buffalo wings. But but if for me, I am looking on Yelp. I'm looking on Google. And I'm searching, I'm saying, if I feel like eating Chinese food, I'm going to say Chinese food uh, in whatever city I'm in, okay, at that point. And then I don't just go to the one closest to me, I search by rating. You can do that. Because you'll have ones, you can search by distance, you can search by rating. I search by rating. Something's crackling. Last time that was the bass, by the way. Uh, that making that noise, um, it was. It was a. It was when, once you muted the bass, it was gone. So, um, was that it again? No. Yes, it was. See, you can. I get a bonus later. All right. <laughs> um, so we're just making sure Noah's on his toes. He's been out vacationing, him and Calandra, and so we got to make throw him a curveball when he gets back. Um, so. If I'm searching Yelp, I will search by rating. I don't want to just go by distance because for me, I will drive four miles rather than 0.4 miles to get a four and a half star restaurant versus a two and a half star restaurant. When I say four and a half star, that does not mean cost. That means just rating. You can get a cheap restaurant for a good rating. Because I want to go somewhere where some thousands of people are saying, this place is amazing. 
It's worth the wait. The food's good. Instead of just, let's go down 152. Do you want Subway or Panera or 54th Street or Cheddar's? Like, it's all chains, which is fine. That's good. But I like unique food, right? And so this is the same thing, too, that when people are, they are going, it's a consumeristic culture. Now, we might say, well, bless God, I hate consumeristic culture. Well, you live in one, so you have to just go, at what point? This is where we live. We can't just hate the culture we're in and say, I wish it would change. I wish we could go back. We're not going back. Here's where we are. And so people will search a church. And so if they say, I want to go to a church, they're going to look on Google, which is why if you have not reviewed this church on Google, why? Why have you not reached People are reading Google reviews. Why have you not posted a picture of your kids smiling and playing in the playground and, 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 and yourself worshiping and just saying, I'm here today. I can't wait to worship God. You might think, why? This is a waste of time. I'm here to worship, not to. Yes, but you're letting the community know. I, now, if you're going to give us a one-star review, eh, I would maybe just hold on. Don't do that one. But, if, but you're letting people know, hey, I had a good experience in this place, and I come here all the time. You don't even have to say you come here all the time. But because people, when they're looking, they're going, I'm reading this. I, I, I want to know what people are saying. I want to see some pictures. I, I, I'll look at the menu. I'll look at pictures of people's food before I go to restaurants. I'm not really searching for a church, so that's why I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But food, I'm always good to talk about food. I talked about barbecue on Sunday, too. I've got to figure out how to get food in my message on Sunday. Um, but understand that this is huge, uh, in, in, because people are, they are looking in, they're looking at social media, they're looking at, uh, reviews, they're looking at your pictures, they're looking at stuff you post to Google. This is what people are doing. And so, you can be a part of this, even though you're sitting here going, well, you're going to talk about technology, okay, I don't even know how I'm a part of all that. You can be a part, just by these types of things, getting your foot in, Posting stuff, reviews, doing things like that. And so this is why I'm constantly, we're, 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 Noah and I are all, we're talking, we're in meetings about technology. And about sometimes things might seem small, you know. Uh, but Noah understands that they're not small. And, and so does his team. Um, because when someone's watching online, they see a slide explaining spiritual gifts are in operation. So for someone sitting here, Someone starts bringing a tongues interpretation of tongues, and you're all just like, yeah, okay, we've been there before. But if you're a guest, you're going, what in the world's going on? So the slide comes up. And if you're watching online, all of a sudden it gets silent. The music stops, and we are always thinking, okay, let's think through the lens of the experience of every person. Experience walking up to the church, sitting in the church. Sometimes, in me and my wife, we have traveled more this year than we ever have, honestly, Thanks for your patience. Um, but going into various churches, and it's incredible how even as a pastor of a church, I will walk into places and sometimes feel awkward and uncomfortable. And it's just so good because you're going, man, I went to one church somewhere in the last 16 months of my life, somewhere between the North and South Pole, and had an experience. And I texted, they would vouch for it, texted Rich and Jen and said, Thank you guys for what you do. You are our rock stars. You are awesome because here's the experience that we just had today. And it wasn't great. They make sure that experiences for, for, for first-time guests, for, for, for kids, for their parents are incredible. 
And so everything is like, okay, I'm thinking through the lens of someone that is interacting with us. What is their experience when they walk through the door? What's their experience when they, sometimes if I'm chatting by the door and it gets too crowded, I'll go and I'll back up and go somewhere else because I don't want someone to come through the door and there's like nine people standing there in our small foyer, you know, because you're like, hi, ha, Sometimes I believe in the power of prayer, but if someone comes up for prayer, especially if they're a guest and I was going to pray with them and then I saw four other people walk up, I'm not going to, unless God has spoken very clearly I don't want a guest to feel like, man, if I go to the altar, like 11 people are going to surround me and, and, and start to pray with me. And, and for us, we're like, yeah, come on in here. This is great. We're all family. For a guest, they're going, who are you? This is new. I was just coming. To, I thought we were supposed to come up and pray. And so everything is just thinking through, like, what's the experience that people are having in addition to our own desire for God? Why? Because we're called to reach this lost and dying world. So it's not always just about what did I get out of the service? Did I like the message? Did I like the song? It didn't really hit home for me. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about the experience. And so there's an online experience for someone that when they tune in, if all of a sudden the music stops, it goes silent, they're going, Did my sound cut off? What just happened? So to all of a sudden see a slide that says spiritual gifts in operation, it gives a scripture reference. It was awesome. When we were out of town, we got to see this in person. All of a sudden, boom, it popped up. My wife said, I love this. And I was like, I know, they're awesome. Y'all are rock stars. And so they see the names of of someone comes up. You know, you guys know me. We, We know Pastor Chad. We know Pastor Foster. We know these people. But when someone walks up and they're going, who's this person? And it says, Chad Condren, youth pastor, or something. Now someone is watching. They feel connected to the experience. Oh, okay. This is making sense. And, and, Look at the excellence. We might not agree with all of, the, all of the sinful things that go on in media in our day or in mainstream Hollywood or all these things, but guess what? They're really good at what they do as far as talent-wise, not content-wise, talent. But this is what we're up against. We're not trying to be Hollywood. We're not trying to be mainstream media, but we are trying to reach a lost and dying world. And so we're going to do what we can to do things with excellence in such a way that when someone has an experience with us, they're going, I liked this. I I liked what I felt. I liked what I heard to the point where somebody says, I think I might come and worship in person at at that location. And so um, research shows that a viewer has more trust for a person if they can see the person's face. So live stream is very keen on, okay, hey, when I'm preaching, chances are right now they're not zoomed all the way out and, they, and you know, I look this big on the screen because research shows that they won't trust the words I'm saying. So they will zoom in to get now hopefully not too close. <laughs> but they'll frame me in here because that's a shot that when I'm talking, that somebody says, okay, I can see his face. He's not just far away. I, there's, there's a trust factor there. And we must always try to get more consistent. We always are aiming to be more consistent with online, with sound. Why? Because we don't want one time somebody tunes in and all of a sudden the guitar is going, and you can't hear anything else. And the next time, you know, Sister Michelle, as great of a singer she is, all of a sudden we just hear her and no one else. Oh, you know what I'm saying? So they're always working to try to listen and, and to get the sound levels correct. They, they work so hard at things that you probably don't even realize that they're doing on a given service. Why don't we pause and any person that serves an audiovisual, let's give them a round of applause right now. 
If you work in AV, you are so much more than turning on a computer, pushing a button, clicking a mouse. You are not just sliding a, a, a something on a soundboard. Like everything you're doing is, again, I could have the most powerful, incredible message that I've ever preached ready for tonight. And if all of a sudden they start turning the lights down and Noah starts moving the sound, Brother Jim's not putting anything up that I sent him up there and it's flashing random pictures. You, even though you love God and want to hear what God has for you tonight, you're, you're going to miss what, what, what the message is because of all of the things distracting you. And so they do things with excellence. And so tonight, I want to launch into this two-week series between tonight and next week, and it's entitled this, Sowing Seed with Technology. Thank you to those of you who came who hate technology, and you're here just because, bless God, it's Wednesday night, and you just don't want to be backslid. But, but there is, there's, there's, there's something powerful here that if you open your heart and mind, there's a whole new world that we can tap into. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for what you are doing, have done, are going to do. Thank you for what the healing with Sister Teresa. That's incredible. We worship and thank you for that. I thank you for everybody that you're getting ready or already have healed and they don't even know the results of the healing yet. God, I'm looking forward to hearing more great stories about your power, your grace, your mercy. And I just pray, anoint me as I deliver what you've laid on my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were looking to make an impact in someone's life and you found out that they hang out in one specific place every day for three to four hours, you probably would go to that place and be like, well, I'm trying to reach them. They're there daily, three to four hours. I'm going to get there and see what I can do. Well, according to Forbes.com, Americans spent last year about just over three and a half hours per day on social media. Some of you are like, what in the world? Some of you are like, I don't know, what's social media? <laughs> Others are like, I have social media. Ain't no way I spend three and a half hours on it. Others of you are like, that's preposterous. And you haven't checked your screen time in a while because you might spend more and you just are in, in denial. Um, or you're just like, yeah, three and a half, that's it. I spent six. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but social media... The number's only increasing with more apps, social media platforms that emerge. Social media is the marketplace of our day. It's the place where people from all backgrounds gather, share their lives, discuss social and theological ideas, share culture, and hear breaking news. Now, we can say, well, I just hate it. It's terrible, blah, blah. It's part of culture. And so we have to go, okay, how do we monitor it? How, make sure, how do we make sure it's safe? How do we, I'm not just saying go, let your kids run free on the super information superhighway. That's not intelligence, not wise. But how can we as a church tap into this form of culture? And so social media is also where time is wasted with mindless and senseless scrolling. But amid negatives, the church can make an impact. And so social media, when used intentionally, can absolutely be a tool of evangelism. Used unintentionally, it's a waste of time. And so hopefully after tonight and next week, Rachel's going to have so many people coming up to her being like, I have to be a part of this. This is life-changing. What can I do? And she's going to have more than just the one person who approached her after Sunday. And so how many times have you jumped on social media and before you knew it, 30 minutes was gone? 
And we get done with that 30 minutes, and you're like, man, I wish I had time to read my Bible. I say that with a smile. I figured that would soften that. <laughs> but what if we use this powerful tool to amplify the name of Jesus, to share powerful things? Hey, I was just at church on a Wednesday night, and a lady from my church who has had cancer and has been battling cancer for how long? Four years just took a microphone tonight and shared a powerful testimony how her doctor said that God healed her. Her doctor acknowledged that her cancer is gone. And we've been praying for this. Wow, you need a healing touch? I believe God will touch you. Just come check out our church anytime. We'd love to pray with you. Why in the world? For some of us, that didn't even cross our minds. There are going to be, how many people are you connected to? Some of you have hundreds, some thousands of people around the world that might see that and go, are you kidding me? Would you pray for me? Maybe I'll come. Where are you at? What's the link to watch? You just don't know. That in the back in the day, you'd have to call friends, you'd have to send out letters, mail things to people, even send an email. Now you can just put a post on with a story, with a picture, with you and your friend. Get Sister Teresa, get ready for some pictures after service with people. This is my friend who God just healed of cancer. Okay? We have... Why, are, why would we not proclaim what God's doing? And so... Why do we put so much effort and energy into our online effort? Well, not only because locals viewing this can come in for a visit, but also because we're trying to reach a world if just one soul, just one human being. If we had 40 people tonight post a story or talk about this, and just one of, our, one of any of our friends anywhere in the world received a touch from God or asked for a prayer request or came to this church or tuned in online, is that not what we're trying to accomplish? You know, we, if, if that happens, we followed the Great Commission. There are, there are times where we only get 20 views or three active viewers at any given moment. It's a Wednesday night. I'm not even going to ask. We might only have two people. We might have one person watching right now live. I don't know. But... We also have people tune in regularly that by the end of a week, there might be 120 people who have viewed or clicked or watched part of a message. There might be some, we've received emails from people in other countries who said, I was watching your service. Here's what happened. God has touched me. Thank you for the message. We get these things. And people can experience a message in person or online. Who here has ever watched a service or a message online? Look around. Who here has ever attended a small group online and actually participated in the discussion? Who here has ever had an online meeting for work? Who here has actually personally taught a Bible study online? Okay. Got about four or five people that have taught Bible study. I know that some, some of them, they have taught to friends in another state, okay? I agree, in-person option is the best. Building relationship, absolutely. That's, that's the best possible thing. And 
that's exactly, you know, the, but, but I want to use the tools at my disposal. I want to look and say, what can I possibly do to reach as many people as I can? You know, I don't know too much about gardening or farming. Shocking. I know you all thought I was a farmer, but um, I think I told you when I changed from being a dentist in, at Marquette University, I, I was like, I don't want to change my major a million times. So I, I took a personal interest inventory. It was several hour tests and all this. And they give you a list of all the things like you have like similarities and professions and all this stuff. And there's professions I didn't even know existed at that time as an 18-year-old. Um, but one of the professions that I had a couple of similar interests to was a farmer. I, I, I might have missed my calling. I don't know why everybody's laughing. So I, I don't say this from experience, but from research. So I was recently reading an article about John Deere machinery. John Deere began to build four and six row planters in 1957. Look at that. They moved to an eight row planter in 1968. And then they came out with a 12 and 16 row planter in 1979. In 1982, they came out with a 24 row planter. And in 2003, they rolled out a 36 row planter. Look at the difference. Go back to the last picture. Now go to the next one making some improvements at John Deere. Good colors, too, green and gold. Um, imagine that planting 36 rows of corn, a 120 swath all at one time. That computes to 100 acres per hour. This is a great advancement in the ways that farmers can be more effective sowing seed. You're so smart. You already know where I'm going. See, Jesus also called us to sow seed. Matthew 13, 1 says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house, sat beside the lake. Large crowd gathers around him. So he got in a boat, and he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and birds came and ate them. Others' seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. They, they didn't last. The plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and they didn't have deep roots. They died. They dried up. Other seeds fell among thorns, grew up, and they were choked the life out of the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil. They produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. You ever think about the person who reached Lee Stone King? The person who reached that, that big name preacher, man or woman of God that you listen to, look at, go to ladies' men's conference, and you go, wow, who reached that person or that person's parents that probably nobody knows, but that crop, that seed has multiplied hundred thousandfold, thousands fold. Jesus went on to explain this parable in verse 18. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. 
Then the evil one comes and snatches it away, and the seed was planted in their heart. He said, the seed in the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems and they're persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 times as much has been planted. You know, when I read that explanation, I can actually see the faces of people from 13 years of pastoring. I can see people who I knew that rejected the word, who received it but never got roots and they fell away really fast. People who let the things of this world stifle their growth and they gave up. And those who received it became a disciple and are now making disciples. I sometimes get discouraged reading this because the sheer statistics alone point to about a 25% success rate. I wish I could get everyone to love God and make disciples. Man, this church, in 13 years, this church, we'd already built like four buildings, okay? As do many of you also wish the same thing. I know I'm not the only person investing in people. Many of you are. But we don't dictate people's responses. If we did, we'd be packed out every service. But we don't dictate people's responses. We dictate the sowing of seed. I'll say that again. We don't dictate, although it touches us and hurts us, when we invest in someone, they say, not for me. Or they say, it's for me, woo! And they jump in the water sometimes. You're like, whoa, you got to get your baptismal gown on. And, you know the, and as soon as they jumped in, they're gone. Or the others that started down the path, and then all of a sudden you thought they were good, and, and the cares of the world just consumed them. The money, the relationships, it got to them. People that you loved. And I feel the emotion of this right now because I, I can think of names and faces that, that, I, that are still an open wound in my heart. And we say, man, I wish I could do something. You can, but it's not going to translate always into them responding the way you would hope they would. But you're called to sow seed, to plant to water. But we have to consider the metrics. If I plant 10 rows of corn, maybe not all will survive. <laughs> I'm not a farmer. I don't know if any will survive. But I'm still going to have more success if I plant 10 rows than if I plant one row. Yeah, I remember one time I tried to teach a Bible study, my friend. She didn't, she didn't make a stand. I'm just not cut out to be a Bible study teacher. My goodness. I hope our farmers in America are not planting crops going, I lost one, I guess I'm not cut out for this. Now, you might have taught one who didn't make a stand. Did you sow seed? Did they respond? That's not your choice. You're called to sow seed. And so... You may have someone 
make a stand for God in one Bible study and you determine, you know, I'm going to keep teaching. I'm going to go teach 10 Bible studies. Well, guess what? You're going to find some are going to get roots. Some are going to sprout quickly. Some will stay. But my dad always said, you know, when you become the, the old terminology, soul winner, you know, when you become a soul winner is when you make a decision that you're teaching and you're never stopping. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're. Now, you can say, How do I get better? Let me take a look. I've taught a lot of people. Not a lot are making a stand. Do you have some pointers? We can talk through that. But ultimately, if I could give people the Holy Spirit, man, I'd be. I, 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 we wouldn't even have services. We'd sing a couple songs and say, Let's walk over to Price Chopper and watch this. I'm just going to walk through and just give people the Spirit. <laughs> but I don't fill people with the Spirit. I don't heal people, but I give God the chance to be God. Now, we're fine with that in the service. I'm going to pray for you. You're sick. I'm going to give God the chance to be God. But I'm also going to go teach a Bible study and sow some seed and say, I'm going to give God the chance to be God. Because his word says it's alive. It won't come back void. And so we have to keep planting. Keep sowing seed. Keep working toward a harvest. And like John Deere Farm Equipment, we're now, we're, we now are not limited to one crop at a time. Not even one row at a time. But with the internet, social media, and some of the tools we have, you can teach a Bible study to a family member that's living in another country. You can share a link to a service that you enjoyed that God spoke to you with thousands of people just like that. Will they watch it? Some will. Most will not. But if one person looks at that and says, wow, you pray daily, God, help me. Lead me to people. Who's, who's in my path? Who's my family and friends that could use this? And when you sit through a message, don't just say, eh, it's not his best message. I'm just, he went a little long today. Don't just think about it for yourself. But be going, hey, what's in this? What are you trying to speak to me today, God? But also, who else could this speak to? Now, if it's a message about, like, being a good parent, don't send it to your parents and be like, see, you're a terrible parent. Or being a good spouse, be like, honey, you should listen to this. Or forgiveness, you know what? You need to forgive. You know, just be, don't be judgmental. But we could be going, instead of just posting generally, what if God lays two or three people on your heart and you inbox them and go, hey, he preached this message today. Man, I felt like it was really powerful. And I know we've been talking about some of the things you're going through. You should check it out. It might speak to you. Guess what? The statistics of them watching that just went through the roof versus I posted on a page and I hope they see it and click on it. We have tools at our disposal. We, COVID hit, I rewrote that Bible study and I sat here every week, me and Noah and see some of us, we pulled out couches and a table and we got everything set and I taught the Bible study online. 10 weeks of Bible study. <laughs> I don't sneeze in the pulpit much, but I cut my grass this afternoon. Woo. <laughs> Ten weeks of YouTube links that you could be sitting here going, my pastor did a Bible study. I went through it. I thought it was pretty good. I know we've discussed the Bible before. Here's the first link. Let me know what you think. You don't even have to teach. If you're not the teacher, don't teach. If you want to teach, teach. If you don't want to be the teacher, send someone a link. And someone, guess what? Send it to 10 people. You might get 10 no's. You're like, oh, that didn't work. You sowed seed. 
But what about when one or two people go, I watched the, the first lesson. Man, that really hit home. That was, that was some good stuff. Where's the rest of it? Oh, yeah, here's the link to the whole study. Or why don't, we, why don't we send one at a time, and then we'll just tag in after each lesson, just kind of see if you have any questions. We have to, our minds have to expand beyond just, hopefully God puts them on my path, and they come up and just say, hey, where do you go to church? Whoa, thank you, Jesus. I go to Refuge Church. I want to come. You should come. Come on. Wow, that was amazing. It doesn't always happen that way. We've all figured out ways to get houses and money and vacations and cars and climb the corporate ladder and do these things. We, we, we've, we're so creative with the things that we want. This is the most, outside of our own walk and relationship with God, making disciples, reaching a lost and dying world, it's, it's the most important thing we can do. And we have so many tools. We have so many. And I'm not even going to say you could do this, 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 because guess what? God could lay something on your heart and mind that I have never even thought of. And right now, God's speaking things, creative things. I almost wish the youth were up here for this message tonight because with their talent, they can grab stuff. My seven-year-old's probably better than me at the iPhone half the time, okay? He just jumps on, moves around, does all this stuff. And I'm pretty good with technology, but that generation, they are capable of changing the world beyond what we, the, the, the confines of where we think they could change the world. And so Jesus looked at his followers and told them this parable, and he was preparing them for the fact that he soon was going to call them to reach the world. But he also knew that several people, they were going to reject his message. He wanted them to know that the rejection was not them, it was the message. When you teach a Bible study and people go, that's ah, not for me, they're not saying, I don't like you. I don't. That's the message. And so he wanted them to know, you're not in charge of people's responses, but what I do want you to understand is you are being called to sow seed. And back then, Jewish people were so frustrated with the way things were going in society. They were under Roman rule. Rome was horrible. They were violent. But it was Rome who made the way for Jesus to pay a price for our sins on the cross. Thankful for Rome. It sounds weird, right? But I'm thankful. Because now I have a chance. And it was Rome who had the technology and resources to fund roads in and out of cities. And these were the roads that God would use to bring people the gospel. And these were the roads making the spread of the gospel more efficient. I'm thankful for Rome. But Rome, there was sin there. Yeah. We fast forward to the 1450s, and the first book printed on Gutenberg's new printing press was the Bible. Now the Bible could be reprinted and the world could spread, the word could spread more quickly. Did the new technology also make the way for the spread of sinful material and, and print? Absolutely. Positively. But it also was a tool that now could spread the gospel. When COVID hit, churches faced something they never had experienced in our lifetime that was shut down. But this tool called the internet allowed for streaming and in a place that was filled with hate and perversion, 
God was using it now, something that was developed by carnal men and women for some ways, and there's a lot of carnal purposes online. But God said, I'm going to use it, and I'm going to use and nobody's going to stifle my message. Matter of fact, I'm going to catapult churches into where I want them to be in the 21st century, and I want this message to go more than beyond the, just beyond their four walls. God continues to pave new roads into people's hearts and minds, but what are we doing as a church? We'll talk about this more next week, but society is tapping into new ways, new forms of technology to further their vision. Fortune 500 companies are always, what can we do now? What's the next step? How do we get there? I want to be a trendsetter. I want to, I want to reach this next paradigm. What, what, what are we trying to accomplish? We as the church are not trying to win technological goals or get our faces on, you know, computer world today or something. But we got to be going. If everyone else is doing it, what can we do to tap into the, what God has allowed to happen at our fingertips? What can I do? We no longer have to use the John Deere tractor from 1957. I'm calling on our generation, our church, to do this. We have improved technology. Share messages on your Facebook page. Send them to people. Teach an online Bible study. Share testimonies. Tell people when people get healed. Start an online small group where you discuss the Bible. Call your friends and say, hey, my, our pastor's challenged us to do an online Bible study. It's just going to be one time a week for this much and this many weeks for this amount of time. Uh, let me know if you'd be interested. I'd love to send it to an inbox to some friends one at a time. Don't do group messages. That's annoying. But do something in this day and age to sow more seed. Do something. We don't have to just knock doors anymore. You want to do that? Great. But we literally have at our fingertips the power to reach the whole world. But how? Figure something out. Get creative. Go, how can I use this? Our focus has to be expanding the kingdom of God with, every, with whatever we have at our, in our reach. Every gift, talent, resource can be used to expand God's kingdom. So my question for you is this. What can you do for the kingdom of God right now using the talents he's given you? What ideas, what could you do to reach someone right now that is not being reached? And as I close... Next week, we're going to continue our discussion, looking at this again, a little more specifics. But tonight, I'm going to close by giving you this to think about. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. The harvest can be very discouraging at times. I know, I'm not looking at a church that's like, man, y'all just lazy, ain't doing nothing. Get up and do something. No way. I've heard your stories. Y'all are out there trying to, you're inviting people, telling friends, sharing stuff online. You're talking to your coworkers. You're trying to teach Bible studies. We got more Bible studies going on than we ever have. It's great stuff you might not even know about. We got a ton of Bible studies. Brother Pastor Foster is doing a great job overseeing that, getting people connected with people. 
know you're trying, but it can be discouraging sometimes. Well, I invited them. They didn't come. I tried to get them. They won't come into a Bible study. They sat through a Bible study. They didn't make a stand. Hey, you don't dictate their response. But you and me, we are called to sow seed. And we might be used to the 1957 planter where we say, well, I just, bless God, I'm going to have to go out and knock doors and invite my friends. Do it. That's awesome. The 1957 planter will still plant crops. But if you now have a 36-year-old planter that can sow seed faster and more widespread, why in the world would we not at least try it? Well, I know it's not going to work. Define work because we're called to sow seed. I can inbox people. I can share messages. I can talk about testimonies, take pictures with what God's done. I can share links to things. I can start an online Bible study. I can do things that, oh, he's mentioned all those things. Even what I'm mentioning, that's old school. Literally, to this generation, everything I just said is old school. There are so many cutting-edge things that I'm not even aware of. You want to get ideas when you get home tonight? Ask your kids. I'm not really joking. If you sat around a table with your kid and said, listen, we heard a message upstairs. I want to reach more people. We're called to sow seed. I want to make an impact in our world. What can we do as a family? What are some creative ways to use technology where we could like get the word out there and share messages or Bible studies or small groups? Like, what are some things we can do? And you might be blown away by what your kids come up with. And all of a sudden, the whole family has a mission. The whole family's unified, doing something powerful. And instead of just, hopefully you don't do this, sitting at your phone on dinner time and everybody's got a screen up. Oh man, when I go out to restaurants and I look over and there's just like six people at a table and everybody's just like this, it just, just irks me. Maybe I could, maybe I could use this device to get the word in someone's life. Maybe somebody's watching online, checking things out. We have this live stream for you. We want you to know that when you tune in, we value you. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered, Paul says, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is God makes the seed grow. But he's not going to make things grow that aren't being planted. We're called to plant. We will never reap a great harvest. Refuge, we will never reap a great, great harvest if we don't sow more seed. I just wish the church would grow. I just wish, oh man, we could reach our city. How is that going to happen? Certainly, we're trying with Google AdWords and things like that. But we will never reap a great harvest if we as a body do not sow more seed. Let's get creative. Let's figure out thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are being reached every day. How can we reach some of them?
How can we get this message that we're so passionate about, we believe so strongly, how can we get that out? Let's get creative. I invite you now to stand and to just find a place to pray tonight. And if anything, to just begin to pray, God, prick my heart, help me. What can I do? Give me fresh ideas. Speak to me, Lord. How can I plant more seed? How can I sow more seed? How can I reach more people, God? Give me creative ways. Help me not to just be consumed with my own day. But Lord, what can I do to utilize even technology to, to, to reach thousands and thousands of people whom I'm connected to? Talk to us tonight, God. We want ideas that come only from you that are going to accomplish that which you desire, Jesus. In Jesus' name.